from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. And Aaron. Welcome all to All My Fantasy Children, the greatest world-building, storytelling, and character creation podcast the world or internet has ever known. Each week, we take a listener-submitted prompt, create an original fantasy character, world detail, city, what have you, and use it to create an original fantasy universe we've lovingly titled Fantasy. And this week, we have a guest, prolific game designer, powerhouse, and overall really great person. Just a wonderful, just a wonderful person. Oh, shucks. Keep going. Keep going, Jeff. Keep going. Just a, uh, genuinely just a delight. Someone I've gotten to play treasure. a lot of games with over the last year or two, and it's been a real treasure. It's been a real, uh, a real highlight of my, my, my last couple years. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, just geez. a good, just a good genuine friend. And who is that, Jeff? That's Caro Assertion. Caro, hello. Welcome to all my fantasy children. Hello. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. A uh, longtime listener, first time caller, big, big fan of this show. I'm grateful that y'all oh. reached out and, and invited me to, to guest. I mean, you are a stud. And so, which we're going to get into with the game we're playing, listeners. Hey, tabletop listeners, we're playing a game. But you are incredibly talented and wise. And you get, you get the vibe of what this is mm-hmm. and the, the stuff that you create resonates so deeply with what jeff and i are about with this show that it has been like the perfect pairing and, you know and in fact i i was actually introduced to you and your work through the through recording this podcast with aaron so it feels very natural to have you on the show yeah yeah, yeah y'all y'all played an episode a while back um playing playing street magic uh yes. building out paradox the city that waits that was a yes. great episode ah uh, that's when i was like oh Oh, they get it. They they know. And, you know, world building games are such a special, like city building and just general, like fictional place, region, animal type stuff, building game weapons are so specific to that certain level of sitting down. Like Jeff and I call it big sleepover energy mm. where you're sitting around and you kind of pile ideas on where you're like, what if the sword shot lightning? What if it was blessed by a demon? What if a demon lived inside of it? And everyone goes, oh, like those games have such a specific energy that your work to me encapsulates in the best way is like fun to play at a sleepover with your friends, which is rare anymore. Like, honestly, for me, it is like games where you can just sit and pitch ideas off each other and like have fun and laugh and maybe create something stupid, really maybe create something amazing. It's it's a wonderful thing that you've encapsulated in your work. Oh, thank you all kindly for saying that. Yeah, got you. Um. Tell us about yourself and what you're working on. Let's plug. Let's talk about all the cool stuff you do. Yeah, I can I can do a, a little bit of a quick plug here. Yeah, my name is Caro Assertion. Uh, I am an interdisciplinary artist, uh, multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary. Um, I do a lot of, you know, tabletop games. Um, I also do some graphic design, visual illustration. Uh, I dabble in theater. I, I don't dabble in theater. I, I, I do theater. Um, Hell yeah. Predominantly on the administrative side. Uh, so, you know, not necessarily something that you get to see a lot of online. But, uh, you know, I feel like all all of these different art artistic mediums really just sort of mesh together and in, into what I like to call the big uh, interdisciplinary soup. Love that. Where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me online at Sea Excursion. That's spelled S-E-A Excursion. Uh, you can find my games at seexcursion.itch.io. Um, and that is also my, my Twitter handle. That was a really concise and really good plug, I have to say. I, I have applauded everyone who's good at it, including Jeff and other guests, because <laughs> I tend to ramble. So I just have to, I have to, I have to applaud you for that. It takes a while to get the elevator pitch down to, you got, down right? to you know, you gotta, you gotta work it. You gotta workshop it a little it's bit. It's true. You do. But once, once you got it, once you got it, it's an ace in the, it's an ace in the back pocket. Now, we're playing a game today, aren't we, Jeff? We are. But before we play said game, uh, we yeah. have a little bit of business that we got to handle. It's important business. Uh, we all got to say what's getting us excited this week. Who, Which of the three of us would like to go first? Um, I will. I'll start us off because I'm really excited about this this week. 
And it's autumn. Um, so right now, what is it? October sixth, mm-hmm. one p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh my God! The I'm visiting my mom, so I'm in South Jersey right now. The weather is so amazing, and I just love being home. I'm in the pines. I'm in the you know everything that inspires everything I add to this show area. Mm-hmm. And what I'm most excited about is the. It sounds weird, but the smell of the wind is so nice in the autumn mm. that it somehow like can transport you to so many different places at once. I think it always transports me to like being in it like the first day of school kind of feel or like that cold heading to school in the morning feeling and the crunch of leaves under your steps as you walk into your classroom and it's decorated for Halloween. It makes me think of being like in college and thinking you're grown, but also wanting to dress up for Halloween and look funny. It just, it it's always for me, living, being from the Northeast, such a cool, magical time that just smelling the wind from being in the city and you don't really get to smell like beautiful, crisp autumn wind all the time, having that opportunity and just letting it take me mentally where it takes me has been a really lovely experience. And it's, I'm feeling that autumn, you know, ghoulish and goblin Halloween season And it just takes me to a nice mental place of like childhood, a kid energy, you know, like Halloween is that one tradition that's still preserved for kids and is pretty untouched. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How Like it hasn't been commercialized necessarily in the way that like, you know, Christmas has or Easter is some weird like thing about bunnies. Halloween is like, yeah, it's where children go trick or treating and ask for candy and it's magical. And it, it just makes me very excited when you drive past houses and stores and you see the decorations. It's getting me very excited because it just puts me in a happy place. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I got two things real. I got two quick hits that I'm going to do. You may have one. Uh, okay. Well, then. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my first one, just real quick, because I've got my friends, Caro and Aaron on the call, and this applies to the both of you. Uh, we all won an award like a week ago. Uh, we did. <laughs> and I just so briefly fun. wanted to say that, yeah, we all won an award. Uh, the podcast that we were all part of, Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast, won Best of the Best at New Jersey Web Fest. And that kicks ass. That rules. Mm -hmm. I was very excited about that. And I just wanted to say that while I got two of my friends that were both on the project on the call. You are listening to Goat Radio right now, the greatest of all time. Uh, Also, goats, they're like regularly factory (laughs) Hold on, hold on. (laughs) It's chewing. Fuck, it's chewing on my cable. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, we're good. Uh, the I'll other, edit that out. The other thing that I want to I want to briefly tell you all a story uh, about some accidental lunch mastery that I pulled off. Oh, snack corner! So I was ordering uh, I was ordering lunch from a restaurant that I've ordered from before. It was a really nice like barbecue kind of Tex Mex restaurant that I'd gotten some stuff from before, and I was I loved it a lot. But I was trying something new, and I tried to apply some logic to the situation because I said uh, last time I ordered a burrito. And it was like 15-ish dollars, like 12 to 15, somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that gives me a baseline for like what to expect from an amount of food. So then I look at their other like items and it was like, well, this plate of, of brisket fries with brisket and cheese on it is $6. So I'm like, that's going to be a small plate of fries, right? Like that's going to be a small thing of fries. I should probably also get something else on the side, a half quesadilla also six dollars that's like a decent sized thing that's like two little pieces of quesadilla a little bit of fries perfect i uh long story short i've had great delicious barbecue for two straight lunches because i accidentally ordered two ginormous meals (laughs) and uh they were both delicious the quesadilla what i thought was going to be like a small you know one of the like small tortillas yeah, like a half order, like a small, small yeah, half it was, order. It, yeah. was, it was a jumbo-sized ca- uh, tortilla, like four ginormous pieces of quesadilla, and I was like, this is uh, an entire lunch in its own right, and also uh, the largest tray of uh, french fries and brisket that I'd ever seen in my life, and I was like, oh my god. So, I'm full of delicious barbecue, I had delicious barbecue yesterday, I am jazzed up, and that is the energy that I'm bringing to the recording today. Fuck Yeah. I love to hear it. Big, big meat energy. Big meat energy. No, mm. damn it. I said it and I didn't mean it, but I'd meant it. It's on the mic now. It's on mic now. We're, we only got one more person. Yeah. What am I excited about this week? One of the things I have have been extolling to my friends and, and you know, just sharing with, with people is um, for about a year now, I have been doing volunteer work at our local community farm, which is, you know, just a big patch of land uh you know in in the middle of the the town that i live in 
And we, you know, had a really good harvest this summer, so it's been great to help out with a lot of harvesting. Um, but the past few weeks, we have been preparing for our upcoming harvest festival. Um, and part of that work involves there's a local group who um, is coming through and doing like a big kind of social dance gathering um, as as part of that festival. And so we have been clearing not not the garden proper, but like the the plot of land that's next to it. It's just like, oh, you know, it's a little bit overgrown. We're we're clearing some of that land just to to make space for this gathering and for this dance. And it's just been really lovely to, you know, work with some new people. You know, we have some new volunteers who are coming in um, who aren't as familiar with the space. Uh, and, you know, we're all working toward setting this, uh, setting all of this festival up. And, and so, I don't know, I'm, I'm pre pre preparing for and I'm very excited for uh, this, this upcoming Harvest Festival, which is going to be happening uh, in a couple of weeks from now. That's that so great. That's wonderful. Are, I was like, the, the, it's the most AMFC autumn glorious thing I have ever heard. I was like sitting here just kind of back in my chair, like enjoying hearing about it mm -hmm. because you just crafted some strong imagery and I'm very excited. But that's yeah, I just kind awesome. of had my head in my hands for a minute. Like, wow. Wow. Like, that sounds amazing. I, I'm excited about that now, too. Oh, I love like a fest. God, I love a fucking festival. God, I can get I can get down in a festival. Mm -hmm. I'm going to one on Sunday and uh, next Sunday. I'm going to the South Jersey Cranberry Festival. South Jersey Cranberry Festival. Yep, in Chatsworth, New Jersey. I'm oh. venturing out into the Pine Barrens to celebrate the joy that is the pines and cranberries and the Jersey Devil. So I'm gonna be writing a lot of shit after that. What what more do you need? You know, Pine Barrens, Cranberries, Jersey Devil. Uh, oh my God, I know. The three great tastes that taste great together. It's true. Ah, okay. I'm trying. I'm I'm ready to get down to business. Let's 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 rock and roll because we got a game let's to talk. play today. Yes, and what is it? Let's talk. What is this? What are we doing, Carol? Why don't you introduce the game that we're playing today? Yeah, oh. I would be happy to. We're going to be playing a game called Exquisite Biome. Um, which is a game of speculative biology. Uh, I like to describe it as a game about the natural world, uh, the creatures that inhabit it, the ways that they live alongside each other. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to generate uh, an ecosystem, you know, uh, uh, some, some place in nature, and we're going to use some prompts and questions to discover and, and kind of create uh, a handful of creatures that live in that, that, uh, in that territory. That's great. I'm so excited. We can play it with the standard 52-card deck of playing cards, uh, and, you know, that's 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 the basic elevator premise. And it, it gets me really excited because the theme lately has been terrarium talk. Uh, listeners, mm. if you've listened to our last episode with Taylor Labresh, we created uh, kind of the idea that in, uh, in the mountain city of Geode, each layer is essentially its own terrarium unique biome. So this appearing out of nowhere i'm like uh, it, it, it's like the great jack-o'-lantern fucking gods have blessed us with this perfect game for this good 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 feels this good good terrarium biome feel you gotta love some nature you've gotta love y'all I, I have always said i've said this a thousand times if you ever need good inspiration for anything new regions new you know fantasy cultures and like anything uh monsters creatures cult, uh folklore Look outside the window, take a little walk, look at something natural and start spinning ideas from it because so much in the natural world is like stranger and better than any fiction you could ever imagine. And it's a great starting point to whip up some wild ideas. So th this is so, oh my God, I'm so excited to play. Um, so anyway, <laughs> how do we start? Yeah. Um, so before we start, we should, you know just make sure we're all on the same page about the level of realism we want to explore. Uh, you know, we we know this is going to be taking place in fantasy, uh, but are we going, you know, fully fully magical, fantastical, or are we going a little bit more uh, grounded and, and more, you know, slightly more realistic? Uh, how, how are y'all feeling this morning, afternoon? I'm feeling I mean, a little bit on the magical side. Like, I enjoy seeing too. things in their natural environment. Like, I'm not necessarily thinking... You know, this is uh, like, uh, like to your point about the themes of the game, the thing that has got me excited about playing this is kind of like seeing an environment and seeing the things that sort of naturally exist there. But I kind yes. of want those things to be weird. 
Mm, yes, mm-hmm. be- because if we if even if it's not set in our world, if we create something completely new today, it's something so cool about good, good, good fantasy, uh, fantasy nature stuff where the animals are directly a result of the ecosystem as they are in our world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like where like you can't just have you could have like a frog in the desert, but what kind of frog would it be? Would it be, you know, one that needs doesn't need water, et cetera, et cetera. And adding in like magic and fantasy elements, I think we can, the three of us can create some really spicy stuff. Yeah. I think so as well. I think that's great. Cool. Uh, before we before we really get started, just a quick note about safety and comfort. You know, this is a game that draws inspiration from nature and the natural world. Um, and, you know, sometimes the natural world can be a little ugly. But, you know, we, we chatted as a group about our lines and veils and all of the safety stuff. We did that uh, before we started recording. Um, but, you know... If there's anything we're not interested in that comes up through the prompts, we can always curate. Uh, if we draw a prompt we don't want to use, we can draw a different card or change it or sidestep it. Uh, and, you know, our enjoyment is always going to be more important than whatever it is that the, the, the rules of the game say. Couldn't agree more. Love it. I'm All so right. excited. Let's establish an environment. We, we know this is going to be fantasy, uh, but we don't necessarily know where in fantasy this is going to be. Uh, so, Jeff, would you like to draw two cards from the deck to be our biome cards, which we'll use to kind of frame the environment? Absolutely. I've got a deck here. I've got two cards in front of me. I have the Queen of Diamonds and the Seven of Spades. All right. So the Queen of Diamonds is our environmental focus, um, and that is a stream or river, uh, and the current season is warm and dry. Oh. Very good. I love a good river. I love a good stream. It is a strong visual image. And mm-hmm. the current season is warm and dry that we're mm-hmm. in, where mm-hmm. we find this creature, or we find this biome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm picturing, you know, we can we can maybe build on this a little bit when we get to the second card, but I'm picturing, you know, we're we've got autumn on the brain. Maybe this is like the that final push in the transition from from summer to autumn. It's like that last oh. little glimpse of sun you know the 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 warm season right before things start to to turn cool we're seeing the leaves are are browning a little bit but it's 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 warm but it hasn't you know there's there's that slight you know the bite of wind is is going to approach quite soon we're in that really beautiful time of year where if you were to stand in this stream or this river it would still feel good because it's a little warm Mm -hmm. and if you look up you can see that very specific light beaming through the leaves as they change colors, that beautiful framing that they have where the outsides are starting to brown, but the inner part of the leaf is still beautiful and green. So it creates this green and gold light that streams down onto the river below. I love that. I love that. And uh, what was our what was our second card for the environmental detail? The Seven of Spades. All right. Seven is Strong Winds. Uh, and spades is the time of day, which is deep night. Uh, so we know mm. this is going to be happening uh, in in the evening. We'll probably see some uh, nocturnal creatures here. Oh, God. So strong winds, cool and dry. Got to remember that. So I get the vibe that I get from uh, the vibe that I get from strong winds and like stream and river. I'm getting big like coastal rock vibes. Ooh. Mm. Like uh, like a river that runs along like a rocky coast, big cliff side, uh, big cliffs that make those big windy valleys and the river runs through the valley. Ooh, it's late mm-hmm. at night. It's a great visual. It's a it's, it's very like I picture like that the, the phrase deep night and, and picturing this like windy, dry, this windy, dry environment, like, I almost picture that, like, these these cliffs kind of block out natural light. So, like, we're in an area oh. where, like, there's there's very little natural light. It's secluded. It's windy. Mm. It's a little inhospitable. Are we thinking, like, a for my clarification, kind of like a river that, like, you know, like the Grand Canyon, not for that scale, but, like, a river cutting through large rocks on all sides in, like, a canyon setting? That's kind of the vibe that I'm picturing a little bit. I like that. I dig that. I can get down with that. The The strong winds especially feed into that because they would make that really, really unique wind tunnel effect. So they would like howl and whistle through the rocks as they stir in this like, you know, really tight space. Like if you ever stood between two skyscrapers when the wind blows hard, mm-hmm. it creates that effect that is like only you can only feel it there 
or if you're in a fucking canyon, like it feels like you could be lifted off the ground. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna, but you could. Can I can I make a pitch here? Oh god. Is yes. this like a like a canyon kind of mountain pass like near geode? Like, you know, it's not inside oh. of the mountain, but it's yes. the the canyons and and the crags that that surround yes. that that mountain yes. territory. Mm-hmm. A thousand times, yes. My image, like, when I always think about, like, what the... Because Geode is the mountain, but the region of it is so much more. I think of, like, rocky crags, like, almost like Colorado, Tibet, mm. like, mixed, mishmashed into one in my head with, like, gigantic... I think I think Alpine, where it's rocky, craggy, you know, almost the kinds of places, like, almost like a tundra, but with mountains. I you know love I mean? that. I love that. And... The thing that I want to throw out, the pitch that I want to throw out related to that, that I'm visualizing that also is just a neat detail to have. I am picturing these cliffs and this river as like ocean adjacent. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like bleeding through into, which means that there's like a very large ocean, like right near the mountain that makes geode. And that is like a very cool, just geographical detail. What is the ocean call that's next to this uh, rock formation? What does this river feed into? What's the name of the river? Just for funsies. Mm, mm-hmm. We all three can like combine our forces to make the name for this thing. What is, I will ask, what is your favorite gemstone, the two of you? For gemstone? That's a, that's a question I always, I, I don't have you know, the, the answer immediately on tap. No, of course not. Um, <laughs> Take your time. I'm a fan of aquamarine. Ooh. Okay. I like a, I like a good ruby. Okay. Ruby is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I enjoy a solid emerald. So, emerald, aquamarine, and ruby. I mean, is it just gem river? Ugh! Damn. Fuck yes. I love simplicity. Gem I'm, river. I'm racking my brain for that bad fantasy type name. Where it's like, the aqua ruby marine river. I just love the, what is it? The, ge- the gem, gem river? river? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. And like, some people just call it the gem. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of course. Like, it's like, oh, I'm going down to the gem to, like, you know, catch a few fish. Is it called that for any reason? Is the stone underneath the river, like, is it special or is it just known? It's just what its name is. Uh, what I want to propose is that the, like, the river itself, because it carves along, like, the outer, like, areas of the, of the, of Mount Geode. Yeah. Um, like, some of those, like, there are, they, like, you can, um, like, pan- like panhandle river. You can panhandle oh, for gems man. in the gem yes. river. Yes. Yes, and like you'll get them. They're always coming out because maybe it feeds into the river. It might come off of out of geode. Yeah, we talk about all these terrariums and layers of the mountain. There would be water like pouring out of all these different holes at different heights of this mountain. So it's a big river, right? Oh, it would have to be quite large, or it can be quite small. Depends, you know. It could be just like somewhere you go fly fishing. It's like a stream, or is this like a big fucking? I was picturing big honking river. Okay. I like that it has, you know, it has smaller streams and tributaries yes. that kind of come out of it, but it all connects back to the gem. And I like how this feeds into, uh, it, it's not called the gem because it sparkles, because clearly we said it doesn't get a lot of sunlight. Mm-hmm. So it'd be hard to catch that light. It's just called the gem because of the contents of like the sediment, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like it's got like special qualities to it. You know, there's a lot of, and this also would create a ton of folklore as it would feed if the sediments, like if we think of silt being carried down this river and it's full of gems and beautiful crystals and stuff that feeds into the ocean it feeds into, it would create this giant deposit at the mouth of the river at the bottom of the ocean that would be like gems. Like I think of underground uh, uh, like salt pillars. Mm. It would be like that at the base of the mouth of this river in the ocean of like crystals. It's just a detail. What if it's what if it feeds into what's called the Sea of Plenty? No, oh, Jeff. Slam motherfucking dunk. I want you all to envision somebody in one of those dunk contests and it's Jeff doing like a 360 slam and the backboard shatters and gems just rain down mm. on the two of us. I land on my back. <laughs> I, I, I I tweak a muscle. I have to be carried out. Everybody's carrying you out, you know, on, on their shoulders, though. Of course, of course. It's actually really exacerbating the problems I'm having with my back. It's not We great. don't care because Ooh. we're celebrating. We can't hear your screams of pain because <laughs> the crowd is too loud. So the you say the Sea of Plenty? The Sea of Plenty. So the Gem River feeds into the Sea of Plenty. Oh, okay. The, 
This is very good. We've already got our. I I you know I feel like I already you know have such a clear picture. I'm like I could I could start building creatures without these prompts. I know I know. But what if we? But what if we drew some prompts? What if we use some prompts? (laughs) What Uh, if we prompt? (laughs) All right. Uh, So to discover creatures, we're gonna draw three cards from the deck and place them in a row. Um, and each card has, you know, one or more prompts that kind of correspond to its suit or rank. Um, and we're going to take turns responding to those prompts. All right. Our first card is the eight of spades. All right. The eight of spades. That's going to be a general description. Um, so eight, eight, uh, the, the rank is our ecological niche, uh, which is a flyer or glider. Perfect. Spades is uh, an invertebrate. So, you know, maybe that's insects or arachnids. Uh, That could be like a mollusk or a crustacean or like squid or jelly, you know, any anything without a backbone. A name popped into my head that like I I kind of just kind of want to throw out the name and then let maybe we if if you're feeling it, maybe we just sort of figure out what this name is and like what it looks like. Sure. Got it. Okay. Wind squid. A wind squid. wind squid. Wind squid. Okay. A wind squid. Uh, how large is the wind squid? This is a big river. I'm going to say um, wind squid are... This is going to determine my next thought. <laughs> About the size of like a squid. Like a, I'd say a squid, but there are that squid range in size from very small yeah. to so large we don't know that they exist. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say like fishbowl sized. Okay. okay. So they're pretty big. This is like a, I think of Mario like a blooper, you know, bloopers or whatever, the mm-hmm. little guys that they're like, they're like, you know, large seagull size, of a size head. is how I would describe okay. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Large seagull sized squid it is amphibious and flies through the wind, like flies along the wind and then back into the water. So I really like this idea because flying fish do exist, mm-hmm, you know, ones mm-hmm. and I feel like squid because of their already nature to propel themselves at high speeds through the water. There's no reason why it couldn't pop up out of the water. Like imagine it propels itself straight upwards, opens some kind of like glider, you know what I mean? And catches a current mm-hmm. in order to like, you know, this type of squid is maybe adapted to like eat insects, like a flycatcher. Like if you've ever like I've I've caught trout they love things that rest on the surface mm-hmm. because they, they swim all the way up and nip it and grab it down. So they're looking for buggies. But what if this, the big bugs that fly like high in the air, like a dragonfly, this, what'd you call it? Just a flying squid? A wind, wind squid. A wind, wind squid, squid. Propel themselves upward, open up their like glider and propel themselves up. And then with their big beak, like grab a big ass bug and fall can back I, into. Can I, can I throw a, can I, can I build off of that and throw you something? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, not to get too, well, we won't get too deep into it, uh, but like thinking about like the, the natural order of things in nature and like a fun fantasy twist on it. If this is a squid that leaps out of the water, what if it eats like, what if instead of a bird that dives down and grabs fish, this is a squid that jumps out of the water and grabs birds? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You done changed. Birds have had the it game. safe for too fucking long. <laughs> They've had it. I mean, birds have been the apex predator in this situation for way too long. Mm. It's time for you know the squid to become basically like the orca whale. Take yeah. every turn. Get them. Yeah, yeah. So they eat birds. I like that. That means they're getting motherfucking up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's this windy. It's that. That's why they're native to this like strong windy. Winds. Strong and there's windy. winds in this region. Right. So they jump up. They Fuck. catch like a like oh you catch a wind current like you could grab like a bird that is flying by. Oh my. Okay. So I have another pitch to present. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. Not at all. Please go. Please go. I f- I feel like uh, in this region the the what are the birds eating? Just regular shit. Yeah. Fish. Like bugs, yeah. fish. The there is a crest. On uh, the top of this uh, wind squid that looks like a two fish eyes. Mm. So they are attracting the birds to circle over them and think about diving. And I think the wind squid, they can't get that much height. But as the bird dives down, they rocket themselves up and kind of intercept it and wrap them up. Unless you want them to just rock it up and soar and look at it. I think that's amazing. I think that's awesome. I do love the fish. I love that it gets the bird close and then like jumps up, fletches the wind, grabs it. I just want to note that our next card uh, is the 10 of diamonds, which is a distinctive feature and a specialized diet. 
What does it eat? What oh. makes it specialized? I mean, we know, yeah, it's it's going for these birds. I guess what what is special about these these birds um, that that makes it a really specialized diet? Kara, do you have thoughts? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I think these these birds, and you know, maybe we will um, you know have the opportunity to flesh these birds out in a little bit more detail. Um, but I think these these birds are particularly um, kind of kind of small in size. This isn't a, like a seagull. Like you know, we we said that the wind squid are like seagull size. So I think that these birds are um, probably more like you know the size of a starling or a songbird or you know are are a little bit smaller in in that way. Um, mm. And I think these birds are um, have like a specific um, they're you know endemic or or they're particularly you know, native to this region. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. They they come to the Gem River for, I don't know if it's like, oh, they, they come here or they, they're based here or they, you know, migrate through. Uh, but I think that these, these birds have, you know, some sort of special uh, reason for, for spending time here. May I make a pitch on that? Please do, yeah. please do. I'm thinking that these birds, you said they migrate, right? They 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 could. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they migrate to the Gem River every year, and like maybe the flying squid, like to capture to see them do it is seasonal because sometimes they're just you know being squid, jumping up, grabbing dragonflies. But they really want these birds and only come but once a year. And the birds are there because during this time of year, when it's pit, maybe it's dark at the Gem River all the time during this time of year. Like you know we're at they come at night, nocturnal birds nocturnal squid the birds have night vision they can see the sparkles in the water and they're drawn to them and it kind of dazzles them have you ever seen how to keep birds out of a garden you'll put like shiny reflective ribbon around certain crops Mm -hmm, and it keeps mm -hmm. birds away i'm thinking the inverse where like the sparkle of the gems in the river that they can see because they have night vision and they're nocturnal birds pulls them toward the gem river and they're kind of caught staring at these things and circling for these gems and then a squid comes up and devours them. Now, can I don't have an answer to this, so I'm just gonna like point out uh, a lore detail that I want to like linger in the air that kind of connects to what what everyone here is saying. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you and I have talked about birds before. Oh my goodness, gravy! And the idea gravy. that birds in fantasy play a role of like there is like a magic around birds in nature as a way of, like, signaling danger to travelers. Yeah, it's like they almost ward evil in so that way. So the idea of a, a natural predator to a bird, especially a bird in a region where, you know, visibility is difficult, travel through this region, travel through this river is difficult, if there is a thing that naturally, like, plucks these birds out of the sky, that is a terrifying concept uh, yes. Whether that is explicit or not, like whether that is that is that is an extensional move or not, we're not sure. We do what this does draw us to our next card, which is the third creature card, which is habits and personality. But it is something to just sit and think about of like, ooh, that is at least an interesting uh, detail about the way that this connects to the world at large. Yes, like mm-hmm. are these diametrically opposed to the idea of providing uh, safety to the denizens of fan? You know, are yeah. they are they agents of evil? Essentially, is it malicious or is it just you know nature doing what nature does? I love oh. that shit. Oh my god! What'd you get, Jeff? For habits and personality, uh, y'all. I drew an ace. Oh fuck! Oh. I- oh. Ace is an invasive species. Which is uh, not oh, native to this region. It is the Ace of Clubs, so oh. it lives in groups oh. of a dozen or more. Okay. I have a big pitch, if I may. Mm-hmm. This game, mm-hmm. by the way, listener, if you're not picking up on the big sleepover energy <laughs> that's happening right now and how fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm like, we're playing this game a lot. Um, So, my pitch to you is, we mentioned a long time ago that in Geode, when the dwarves were first, they came to be, the mountain itself was full of this mysterious creature called horrors that kind of surrounded the dwarves in their little pocket of the mountain they're these you know we haven't described what they look like but they're beings that basically like devour dwarves in all life they're they're bad and the the way the mountain was carved out was the first dwarf you know who got a relic whatever defeated them all and blasted away the mountain terraformed the mountain made it great but basically fought against horrors 
Are these the distant relatives of those creatures? That feels that this is definitely an evolutionary offshoot of Mm, because the idea mm -hmm. of like a creature that leaps out from nothing descends upon you and plucks you into and plucks you into the abyss to devour you is pretty fucking horrifying. And especially in the darkness, we if we said earlier that water flows are coming out of the mountain, Mm -hmm. that means that these are just the descendants of horrors that kind of spilled out and have been lurking in this river ever since. And it also feeds the fun thing of like, do the, are they, is this natural or are they diametrically opposed to like, you know, beings of light? I put in air quotes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like birds. Mm-hmm. Which fucking bangs, like evil fucking demon squid. Wind squid. The ace of clubs means that they live in groups of dozen or more. And the, the one detail that I want to throw out related to that, I really think that there is um, essentially cockroach logic, right? Ugh. Mm. The idea that, like, if if a wind squid descends upon you, right, there's a lot more and you got to be extra yeah. careful. Yeah. Can I can I pitch something here? Yeah. Which is, Please. I think, um, you know, we know that they, they cluster in these groups. I think the folklore is like, oh, you know, each of these these groups is is a demon. It's just a de- one, you know, one demon that's oh. split out into a dozen. Oh, and baby. They're all kind of, you know, if you think about it sort of like a rat king, it's like, oh, they're all uh, an extension of the same the same demon. And and there are other, you know, there's there's naysayers who are like, no, they're they're just squid. That's just the natural <laughs> habits. Um, but but there's definitely, you know, some folklore about bad luck or about, you know, these these creatures being malicious and you know if you see a dozen of them moving all at once it's it's not difficult to see why somebody might think oh that's a demon right there oh absolutely the folklore would be like like my brain immediately goes to in the if it's a large river in the true depths you know like myths about the ocean's depths there's one giant wind squid that like you know births all of these little ones that they're that's their agents. You know what I mean? That kind of mm-hmm. thing of like a kraken type beast beneath the waves of the Gem River, you know, and it was banished from the sea of plenty to the Gem River. But we all know what it really is. It's a bunch of asshole squids that are descendants of bassholes. Or they're just squids. Wait, wait, do, just just squid. do we know? Do we know what they are? I don't think we know. I, w- mm-hmm. I think that is that like is the a- three of us. I think that is an area that I would like to leave like unknown. Love that. Mm. Oh, Just like yes. Old I think it is it is older and wiser. Like it is older and more mysterious than even we here with our omniscient power, like our omniscient knowledge yes. of the world can grasp. That mm. is what I do like about this concept of horrors, especially is like we sometimes don't talk about what things look like, and that's for a reason that it's like it's older. You know, it, it's older than, you know magic itself it's older than the world itself these squid have been in the gem river for that long and so now we are going to play out a short scene oh baby uh Mm -hmm. what it looks like maybe to encounter one of these things or like a a scene related to the to the wind squid i have drawn a nine which tells us it is a scene about risk and reward yeah Hmm. i guess here's here's a question do we want this to be you know from the the perspective of the wind squid, do we want this to be you know us as a group of field researchers who are researching these squid, and maybe we're trying to find out oh are are they mm. evil or are they just just natural? Um, I like the idea of researchers, not squid. I, mm. I like the squid being so mysterious personally, and me, I'm such a sucker for classic fantasy that I'm like they're bad. You know, I don't mm-hmm. like them being something that I'm afraid of them just talking about them, even though they're not, you know, they might not be malicious. I'm on the vein of uh, some kind of researcher type thing or passerby, hiker, traveler, adventurer. Mm-hmm. Can I mm-hmm. can I start a story and then have the two of you fill in fill in uh, details and how the story goes? Sure. A really good fucking idea. Going back to the idea of the Gem River. Think about how like if the theme is risk and reward, think about how risky now that we know that these these seagull-sized predatory omnivorous squid that can leap out of the water and pluck you away think about how scary it must be to like dive for gems or panhandle for gems Mm -hmm. you said there's panhandling in this river people just be gathering gems and crystals That's some risk. real like campfire horror story, like combined oh, with like the yeah. fish tale of oh, it, this is the one that got away. Oh my god! I I I went down. I went down into the water. I saw uh, the glint of a ruby, 
It was the size of it was the size of my arm. I swam down and before I knew it I was surrounded on all sides by dozens and dozens of these swirling wind squid. I swam up with the ruby in hand. I climbed into my boat. Bastards flew into the air and started darting at me left, right and center. How how big were they? These were the biggest goddamn wind squid I've ever seen. They you know, they're usually like uh yay big. These ones in particular were like Every one of them looked like they could have been the size of a small boat. You was panhandling? I heard they ain't no gems really down there. What I heard is the squid make them. Ain't no gems in the gem river. That's just an illusion from the squid to pull in passes by. Well, uh, well, uh, my, my, my cousin, uh, you know, she, she, she spends a lot of time down in that, uh, that gem canyon there. Um, you know, hike, likes to hike the river, uh, but she, she, she swears, you know, I like to hike the river, but I don't like to, I, I would never go in, uh, because those, those squid, they do exactly what they did to you. They'll drag you under. Dang. That rips. This is, okay, this place is really scary, where it's like, we've just established that, like, yes, they do attack people, that they might, the gems themselves might not be natural. You know, I mean, from the mountain, like, they might not be gems. They eat birds, and they might be just mean and don't like anybody. <laughs> They're territorial. So uh, there's a question that I want to cycle back to for both of you. In uh, social groupings, this species lives in groups of a dozen or more. What is the social hierarchy? How is status measured and judged? Is there one? I think of, you know, of, of a group of a dozen, I think part of the reason that there's this folklore of the, you know, kind of the Rat King style or the, oh, they, they, you know, they're, they're all connected is because there tends to be one wind squid in the group that is larger than the others. Ooh. Um, and I don't know if that's like a, like a queen bee kind of situation or, you know, may, maybe my, I can throw that to y'all. Like how... How does that, how is that determined? But like, you know, maybe if, if most of them are the size of seagulls, this is one that is, uh, you know, as long as your arm or as long as your leg. So what if, um, tying into that, we had the, based on the scene that we played out in the stories we told, the idea that they will hunt under the water as well as above the water? What if like the, the way the hierarchy plays out is that the larger one is the the wind squid that jumps above the water and like plucks things and the smaller ones are partially fed by that but also do a lot of the undersea hunting so you get this visual if you picture like being under the water and you have you know your your infrared light you you see this one larger squid and like these dozens of smaller ones plucking tiny fish and then mm. periodically this larger one flies out of the water and just grabs something and drops back down yeah yeah. You'd give it the name Wind Squid because you think they all can do it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, if you only see the ones, because it's dark. Keep in mind, unless you're a fucking magic night vision or something, you're not seeing the goings and havings of under the ocean. I mean, under the river's water. You're seeing them fly out and grab birds. So you're like, God, all these all these squid can fly. Meanwhile, there's like, I'm thinking, like you said before, cockroaches, mm. where there's like some that are the scouts, you know, that some and gather, like some find the food source and water source. And then everybody goes and get it. So they leave the gross chemical trail. Mm-hmm. But this would be similar in the way that like there's a hierarchy of like maybe one in a group of 12 has the glider. That's the one that grabs the bird, shares it with the team. The other ones share the fish with the team. But it is like a community of of wind squid providing. Maybe maybe the most mature one develops the, the wing gliders. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's like the mm-hmm. old head mm-hmm. who grew up, you know, and eventually... That one will die off, it gets caught, it gets eaten, something, and one of them, the next oldest, will kind of develop these wings and fly up. But there can only be one. I like the idea of there only is one flying squid at a time. At least in terms of, like, a hive or whatever, yes, right? Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, in, in what, the do, what do you want to call their group? What do you want to call their group? You know, it's like a murder of crows, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like huh. a fun word for a wind squid. I mean, I mean. You got something? You got something? could call it a horror of wind squid oh my fucking god that's I so think that's it good i think that's a it horror. there's only one flyer in a horror oh it's so good. now um at this point it is recommended that we take our three cards 
and we move uh, our first card. So we have the eight of spades, the ten of diamonds, and the ace of clubs. It is recommended we move our first card to the end so that we can make a second creature if we would like to continue play. Uh, I would very much enjoy that because by doing so, I'm looking at our cards and I'm looking mm-hmm. at our first card. Yeah. It's our I first card is well. a scavenger or thief that is a bird or fish. Oh, oh my. We talked about these birds. We talked about these birds that are, uh, you know, easy, easy prey for the wind squid. And if they're scavengers, that means, okay, that means perfect sense. If they're, what is it, a scavenger or thief? Scavenger or thief. Are these birds coming to get fish? Are they coming to get jewels? Are they coming to like that kind of feel? I think they're going for the gems. The name gem, ah! the name like gem plucker or like gem thief. Gem thief. Yeah, yeah mm, gem thief. thief. A gem thief is a great name for a bird. And their, their grouping is called a heist, obviously. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. A heist of gem thieves. That's great. That's great. So they come to steal the gems, maybe to like make their nests or because they just like, like, like crows, like shiny shit, you know, mm-hmm. it's like something like that. They're just drawn to it for their own collective purposes or they build let's, stuff from it. Let's get to know. Maybe we'll find out why as we draw. Oh, my some God. Cards. I love this. I love this mm-hmm. game so much. Mm-hmm. We nerd out about nature so much in like a, a made up na- natural world in the show. So now we have the most ridic- like best vehicle for just going hard. Building some creatures. God. I'm obsessed. This is a uh, club. So a distinctive feature is that it has a short tail or no tail at all. Ooh, okay. This is interesting when you think about birds, because yeah. you know, they tend to have, you know, not necessarily a, a long tail, but like enough of a tail that you can use to, you know, aid in, in steering or in flight. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, if, if this is a bird with a short tail, uh, you know, how, what do they use to fly instead? Or, or how is that, what, what function would having a short tail kind of serve perhaps you had mentioned maybe it's like a starling kind of looking bird Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i i imagine that initially when these birds were migrating to this area a long time ago when the bird first started coming maybe it is an evolutionary trait where it's they started out as being very long and they were all getting caught by the squids by their tail Mm, you know and then over time it shortens and shortens i feel like the gem thief is becoming it's elusive if it has a short tail, maybe it's like agile, like a stealth bomber. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like in terms of movement, you know, uh, maybe the gem thief also relies on the wind a little bit. But related to that, oh. like, what if it is not a flying bird but a jumping bird? Okay, mm-hmm. speak more on this. They glide with like a big jump, yeah, like a running, like an ostrich, kind a little bit, like a tiny little, like a tiny little ostrich that like jumps, spreads its wings, and catches wind in a very similar way to the wind squid but it like kind of does it not necessarily to go along the river in the same way like almost picture the almost picture the gem thief and the wind squid as having like perpendicular paths like they are meant to collide because the 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 gem thief jumps from one from one side of the river to the other from one cluster of rocks to the other Mm -hmm. where it like digs out it digs out gems from little crevices or from under the water like it but it like jumps from surface to surface gliding on the wind to kind of aid it i'm picturing these almost being you know we we said starling or songbird but i'm almost more like a sandpiper almost you know like long legs that it can kind of use to jump and like a a a beak that it can kind of use to to root around in the in the sand or the soil on either side that's really good yeah that's awesome and what i what i do especially like too is the idea of this is my question i'm going to pitch the two of you can a gem thief which is its name that is given by researchers in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Have do gem thieves ever get gems, or are they just drawn to it? Uh, 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 mm, uh, You've got mm. something. I've also got something. Uh, well, uh, you I'm, first. I'm looking at the next card on our list that I mm-hmm. think actually gives a really oh. good answer to that question. Yeah. Um, Aaron, the Eight of Spades. If we're thinking about our third one, which habits and personality. The Eight of Spades is, A, that dozens, hundreds, or thousands of this species live together. The collective noun for these creatures is a heist. And I'm going to say between 11 and 13 of them live together uh, at, at a time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Between 8 and 13. We should include, we should include eight, and, eight, 8 and 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it is a heist. And the Eight, Aaron, is tool user. They can oh make, God. they can operate crude or makeshift tools. This is so perfect. So they're using with their long, like 
sandpiper, you know, roadrunner, not roadrunner. There's a certain bird that like kicks its prey. I can never remember its name. It is like a strong kick for lizards. Anyway, using a little tool. Oh, no. And, and, and I'm going to I mean, this is where we said we were going to go. We said we said we were interested in getting a little weird with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crystals and gems. But like we have established lore around both crystals and gems, especially in and around Geode. Yes. What if the what if that's part of the tools that they're using is like grabbing a crystal and, and you know, harnessing whether with precision or not, like oh, depending on the f- depending no. on how we want to play it. Like, oh, what if there's an element of like cracking a little bit of magic through the use through uh, tunneling out these uh, these gemstones and these crystals? This ties really well into oh my, my suggestion, which was, oh you know, I, I, we, we keep on pulling on different birds here, but, you know, we're that's that's the name of the game. Um, but like, what if these are almost, you know, more like a woodpecker? inside where it's like yeah. you know, you're, you're going for these really big you said jeff you're you're in your uh anecdote you said the the gem was like the size of your arm what if they're like hollowing out these really really you know enormous gems um and a they're they're taking those shards and kind of the the pieces of the gem that are are split open and using those but they're also using the the shell of the gem as kind of a place to to build a nest I oh love that. Oh my god. That is so so it's almost like cracking a quartz and getting to the insides. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like treating it like a seed or a nut. So they'd have a big fucking honker beak, but also like nimble little bird hands to manipulate a tool. That rips. And I what I that. really like about what this ties into our already established lore of like, hey, if you're new to the show, uh, crystals cr- contain like essences of the planet's ley line energy and solidified. So within them is like literal magic essence. So if you were to crack it, you know, harness it, whatever, you can basically get imbued with power, either temporarily or personally, depending per- uh, permanently, depending on your skill level. So I feel like did people, did gem cutters, as they're called in fantasy, people who use this kind of magic, learn how to do it from these birds, a la Avatar The Last Airbender, where like animals taught people how to bend? Well, I tell you what, you know, you, you crack open one of these, you know, these gems and, and you get to the magic inside, you, you get a bird that's building a nest inside the heart of a gem. I bet that probably connects to part of the reason that birds are such a big, you know, omen for oh warning. Oh my god! That's so good, where it's like, birds are magical. Birds understand the essence of magic. They're tapping into that ley line. Oh my god. This is dope, that like... Birds are magic confirmed. What's really what's really cool about the game that we are playing today in particular is that every time we like reach a certain moment, it flows like uh, there's some real magic. We're at the heart of the cards is what has happened. Everybody, uh, we've we've cracked the millennium puzzle. My grandfather is finally released. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've sent Seto Kaiba into the shadow realm. Because the scene that we are that we are playing around in, or there's the prompt that we can explore now is the jack which is pursuit or defense and i feel like we're already there i feel like we've already been in this space and it's real perfect the idea that yeah, like, wizard birds man wizard mm-hmm. birds the idea of yeah that idea of like a bird like imagine just the sequence of like a bird like one of these uh gem thieves is leaping from rock to rock a wind squid comes up, it drills its nose into a rock knowing that there is a crystal underneath it it cracks it, it moves its head, uh, and like a fireball spits out of the mountain, singeing this wind squid, sending it tumbling back into the water and allowing the gem thief to like scurry back off into the night. I feel like that, what you just described, would inspire a lot of folklore about what people think about the nature of these animals. Where like, and maybe it is true that like- And the folklore of birds in fantasy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. like the gem, the gem thief- fights against this being of darkness and shadow that came from the mountain and they're locked in this eternal struggle you know of of magic against shadow which is you know has a play in our lore but still like people would see this and be like well they're clearly beings of light and these squids are beings of the shadow that came from the mountain and have you know harmed dwarves for e- for years until they were freed by the power of the crystals which the first dwarf to use the gauntlet used to free up Geode. So it's all tied into this like mythology just with this little fucking bird. Also, birds are cool. <laughs> birds are cool. But birds rip. 
Magic Birds Rip, this ties with our lore uncomfortably well, where I'm like, what the fuck? We recreated the myth of Geode using birds. Birds and squid. That's sick. This is amazing. I, I'm i losing my shit. And I think that's mm-hmm. a wrap. I know that's a wrap. Damn. Well, it is there recommended we as we end play that we thank our players and we share something uh, from another co- player that uh, a contribution that excited or delighted or surprised us. That's incredibly good, by the way, that that's in this. Mm-hmm. So everybody, thank you. Thank you for playing this. This was wonderful. Thank you all for for taking the time. This was this was a real treat. Oh, thank you. This this game is a delight. It is a th- this is an incredible world building resource to springboard ideas off of and really creative ways that can lead to some amazing like we just saw the level of depth that it goes into of creating a quick region and a deep diving into an animal with like a couple prompts what kind of ideas that can spin up and like this is big sleepover energy but also incredible creative writers room energy so i thank you for making this oh thanks i don't know how you do it this is unbelievably brilliant if i'm being completely honest it's so good well, th- thank you all for, again, thank you for taking the time and, and having me on. I I love the energy that you two, you know, consistently bring to building worlds. And, you know, that's the reason that I, I make these kinds of games is, is to give people the tools to, you know, prove that anybody can can come up with something just as just as cool in the same way. Well, shucks, shucks, McGee. That's all we do on this show. But first, we have a lot to talk about. Yes. Thank you for coming on our show and being an amazing guest and letting us, like, we got to play a game with its creator. Like, it's the sickest shit ever. So thank you for coming on the show, Carol. Gladly. Um, Would you like to remind anybody at home where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me uh, on the internet, um, most places, at Sea Excursion, <laughs> that's spelled S-E-A Excursion. And, you know, check out my games. I think they're pretty good. Yes. Uh, buy this game? Uh, download this game, Exquisite Biome. This game is amazing, and if you like this particular vibe, if you like uh, the card-driven, world-building scene play, I'm going to shout out one of Caro's other games, which is The Long Shift, which is a scene-based uh, sci-fi slice-of-life game uh, set in Mari's 26-hour Cosmic, which is a galactic rest stop gas station cafe. It's uh, got a lot of the same energy of like drawing cards, setting prompts and kind of seeing how the cards play out and using that to inform a story. And you tell a wonderful slice of life sci-fi stories and it's great. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. The One Shot Podcast Network is a wonderful uh, is a wonderful biome of incredible creators, uh, creatives in the tabletop space, adjacent to the tabletop space, writer's rooms, energy. If you like the kind of stuff that we bring to this table, you'll love everything on the One Shot Podcast Network. It's a great place for cool kids to hang out who make cool shit. And we're glad to be a part of that uh, team. Uh, Jeff, you have a second podcast, don't you? I don't know how. I do. Do you have a third? I have, do you have uh, a fourth? I have, I, do you have a fifth? I, mm. Hold on. Now I have to count, Aaron. Two for work. I have Yuzabas. I have the party we want to talk. Yeah, I do have five. I have five other shows. <laughs> Jesus Christ. With more on the way. So, uh, with more on the way. Um, so yeah, uh, Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week I sit down with a friend. We play a two-player game. We share some laughs. Maybe a few tears and we have a really good time. You can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. And also I want to shout out again Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast, an award-winning actual play about about a slice of life, uh, the slice of life adventures of a magical bed and breakfast run by a heartless witch, featuring guest appearances by a host of wonderful players, including some wonderful, wonderful folks named Aaron Catano Saez and Caro Assertion. Hey. You can hey. find that at tinyurl.com slash Yazeba's Podcast. And isn't Party of One in the middle of, I'm not sure when this episode is airing, but isn't it still in the middle of its uh, ongoing pledge drive? It is in the middle of an ongoing year-end pledge drive, which involves the launch of two new shows, Party of None, which is a Patreon-exclusive show about me playing single-player RPGs, and another show that features Caro, and I would like to feature Aaron at some point. Yeah. The initial Patreon launch of a show that will eventually be public, Jeff Stormer Podcaster for Hire which is a detective show where I solve occasionally podcast-related crimes. Boom. It's really good. You're a monster. I don't know how you do it. Aaron, do you want to ask if there are other ways to submit a prompt? Oh, God. Uh, I would. If you'd like to submit a prompt for our podcast, there's a lot of ways you can do it. 
I don't know the elevator pitch for this one, even though I've edited it over 180 oh, no. times. I just needed you to, uh, if you just want to ask me and then I'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Um, Jeff, if a listener wants to submit a prompt for use in our beautiful podcast, or if you have a world building game that you think would be a good fit for a show, please don't send us your tabletop RPG that doesn't have world building elements. I won't consider it. But <laughs> can you can you uh, tell us, Jeff, all the ways that they can submit stuff to our beautiful show? Absolutely. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can email them to us at all my fantasy children at gmail.com or you can go to bit.ly slash AMFC discord and post your prompts in the prompt submission channel, post your game links in the hangout space and finally uh as always i will simply ask that you please learn what it is we do before you ask us for things correct Mm -hmm. that that verbal hug this week each week we like to give our listeners a verbal hug where we say something that we need to hear that we want you to hear that makes us feel good and that we've been thinking about lately to send you off feeling better than when you started if that's even possible does anybody have a verbal hug to start off with i can i can take a pass at a verbal hug Um, let's go you are part of the world that you live in. You know, everything that we do is is interconnected and, you know, all of us leave fingerprints on the things that we touch in ways that we don't necessarily realize. So, even though, you know, what whatever it is that you're feeling, you know, if you're if you're feeling down, just re- recognize that those those ripples uh tend to stretch larger than uh larger than even we realize. Dang, that was uh, very I'm, good. Well, yeah, I, I need a minute, but uh, I, I, will, I will build <laughs> off of that and say, uh, my verbal hug is show up for your friends. My verbal hug is the best thing that you can do, one of the most meaningful activities you can do as a as a radical act in a world that wants to drive us apart and wants to instill in us a toxic sense of individualism. One of the best things you can do as a creative making things, one of the best things that you can do to live a life that is full and rich is show up for the people in your life with your whole heart. I have been feeling incredibly empowered because, I, you know, watching friends get recognition for things and like sharing in, in the work of my peers, like in the last few weeks has been an incredibly gratifying thing. And getting to see the things and go like, oh, I know that person. I know how this is something that they uniquely could have made. And, you know, seeing them, seeing people succeed and thrive and win and getting to to cheer and jump up and down is one of the most gratifying experiences. And, you know, there is nothing, there is nothing that recharges my batteries more than, than being around people that I like and care about and seeing them uh, achieve things and, and, and see success and getting to celebrate the things that they do and make and are and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful feeling. And I encourage you to celebrate and live in that space if, uh, whenever you can. I love that. Um, it's, always, it's always free. It's always an easy thing to do to signal boost your friends. But mine is, uh, I live in New York, so I get denied a lot of the things that I enjoy, meaning of the natural world. And so I've been really soaking up the simple things like South Jersey pine trees lately and just really enjoying them. And I'm trying to take mental snapshots because- I am trying to pull as much inspiration as I can from them and from this ecosystem. But my point is, take some time to appreciate the simplicity of the natural world and have fun with it in a way that if you're a writer, if you create things, if you are inspired by things, take a second, watch a nature doc, go outside, take a stroll, explore your outside world, look at some plants, look at some bugs, look at some critters. And get some thoughts and spin some ideas off of it, because sometimes the coolest shit is right outside your door, and learning from it and exploring it can lead to cool stuff like this one. This episode is, you know, three of us have appreciations for the natural world at three different levels. It comes from that level of wonderment and imagination that you can find just from being stepping outside your door and looking at natural shit. Even if it's just outside the weather, it's some clouds. Anywho, that's all I got for me is that enjoy, enjoy natural shit and, you know, learn from it. Pick up some cool stuff from it. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, is that all we do on this show? That is all we do on this show. Dang. This is a good one. This was a good one. Let's kick that. This one ripped. This one went really fast. And listener, I want you to know, it's not always this easy. <laughs> it's not always. <laughs> but when you have a great game like Exquisite Biome, 
it is that fucking easy. Let me let me tell you, this this game is cheat codes for world building. <laughs> we 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 rocketed through this one. Um, game genie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is all. That's all we do here. So until next time, good, good night, night and, and good, good game. game. is old, far older than we know. We think that the awakening of the dwarves, elves, beast folk, dragons, and halflings was the dawn of this world, but that is not so. Beings of all sorts have existed on fantasy before the arrival of these cultures. Civilizations have existed. Creatures, both kind and cruel, have roamed this vast planet. The horrors of the great mountain of Geode are one such example. Primordial beings that have dwelled within the cracks, crevices, and hollows of Geode long before the five even dreamt of shaping their children. For after all, what is time to a being such as the five? Long ago, in episode 12, we said that the five created fantasy, and then their corresponding cultures to populate it. To the five, cosmic beings of chaos magic, it may have been a day or two designing their creations, but on fantasy... Was it eons passing, without a single halfling or dragon walking the earth? Fantasy's ancient world is a mysterious and different place than the world we have discovered so far. Remember episode 120, Haradris and the Day of the Storm? Arthur, one of the two very first beings to be willed up by the Five, was shocked to find the ruins of a city on what would become Iron Hill. In episode 168, we learned that before the rise of the five cultures, the planet itself created goblins to destroy cities that posed a threat to the world's survival. But who lived in those cities? Who built those cities? For years, Jeff and I have hinted at the mysterious ancient world of fantasy, but I believe it's time we start slowly discovering what secrets the world has held so close to its chest for the last six and a half years. But do you do it, listener? Do you dare and go back to find the hints and winks we've left for you along the way? Because we have. Fantasy, and it's this show, <laughs> is full of secrets and hints to a greater lore and a deeper, deeper world. Can you find them all? I hope you can, but I also hope that you have a great day. Until next time, Junior Wizard, I love you. Goodbye.